Psalm 21 is the conclusion to last week's Psalm 20. And if you were here last week and you remember, uh, just to remind you, the people are gathering and they are, they are wanting uh, for God to answer the prayers of the king as, as he is about to go out into battle and do war. And we talked about the principle of the psalm uh, in Psalm 20 was so goes the king, so goes the people. In other words, if the king wins, then the people win. If the king gets salvation, then the people get salvation. And so they are gathered together, they are huddled together in the temple, and they are just praying and, and singing and making offerings and, and just asking God that God would answer the prayers of the king, which would in turn answer their prayers. And so this week, these psalms are kind of like two bookends, 20 and 21. And 21 is the response after the event, whatever that event was in chapter 20 that they were about to go into, Psalm 21 is the response of the people after the victory, after the king returns, and salvation has been secured for the king, therefore it has also been secured for the people. And so in this psalm, we're going to see it's, it's really broken down just into two sections. It's a really simple psalm this morning. The first section is a song of praise. It, it's really just praising God for how he has delivered the king. And then the second half of the psalm, psalm so that's 1 through 7 is the first half. Um, 8 through 13 is the second half. And this is what I would call a song of woe. This is, this is a song of woe to all of the enemies of the king. Because when they align themselves to be enemies of the king, what they're really doing is aligning themselves to be an enemy of God. And so like last week, we talked about in Psalm 20, that Psalm 20 represents David, but it also represents David's future heir, Jesus. And so some of the things that David talks about, it, it kind of starts and you think, okay, that could be David, but by the time it ends, it's like there's no way that could be David. He's got to be talking about somebody else. And throughout Jewish tradition of interpreting these two psalms, the, the Jewish tradition is that they are talking, David is talking about the coming Messiah. And so we're going to get a glimpse again at a picture of the Messiah and what God thinks of the Messiah and what God is going to do for our Messiah, Jesus Christ. So, as has been our custom, and if you're new with us this morning, uh, as a church, we like to read through the Psalms together as a church body. So we're going to put it up on the screen, and you can read along with me as we read through these 13 verses of Psalm 21, starting in verse 1. O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices, and in your salvation... How greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. 
For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will consume them. You will destroy their descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. For you will put them to the fight. You will aim at their faces with your bows. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. Amen. So again, as I said, we can look at this psalm and we can kind of break it up into two sections. And that's what I want to do and look at it this morning. One through seven is really just a song of praise about how God blesses his king. And even as we were reading through there, I hope you noticed that some of that could apply to David. But, but then as the verse kept going, it's like that, that can't be David, right? Like when he talks about in verse 6, for you make him uh, blessed forever. Well, we know that David lived and ruled and reigned and then died, right? So, so the picture here is of David, but also of David's seed, David's heir, one to come, the Messiah. Verse 3 says, you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him, length of days forever and ever. Now, this, is, this is a picture of Jesus Christ, our Savior. That when he came and he lived and he died for us, being completely sinless, taking upon himself the punishment that we deserve, and yet even at death he asked for life, and it was granted to him. And, and God rose him from the dead three days later, setting him at his right hand forever. That, that is where he is at right now. And so his, his glory is through your salvation. Verse 5, splendor and majesty you bestow upon him. For you make him blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. Again, where, where is Jesus seated right now? At the right hand of the Father. And so... This picture in the first half, this song of celebration, is a song just celebrating the way God has blessed this king, his son, Jesus. He blessed David through his reign, but, but not just David. He promised through David would come one who ultimately would save us all. And that one is Jesus Christ. And so the Israelites are gathering and they're singing a song of praise First and foremost, in the context of deliverance of David in this moment, whatever David went out and did, they're, they're celebrating his salvation from the deliverance from whatever warfare that he was just in. But ultimately, this is a picture of what's going to happen with Jesus, right? And so as you think about this song of praise, I want to ask you a question. When you think about your prayer life, when you look at your prayer life, does it look more like Psalm 20 or Psalm 21? Or is there a balance of both? What I mean by that is Psalm 20 is we're desperate 
Things look bad. It's bleak. Oh God, please save me. And then he does. And then you go about your life until the next time things look bad, till the, the next time things look bleak, and then you're back to, oh God, please save me. I've gotten myself into a jam again. Or is there a balance in your prayer life where you are praying and calling out? Because again, Psalm 20 shows us there's nothing wrong with that, and we should do that. But Psalm 21 comes as a compliment to Psalm 20 to help us to see that when God does deliver us, we should praise Him. We should give thanks to Him for that deliverance that has come to us in our lives. So again, the question I have for you this morning for the first half of this psalm is, what does your prayer life look like? Is it one just of desperate pleas of, of help and cry? Or is it also, when God does deliver you, praise, giving him the credit, right? For the king, verse 7, trust in the Lord. Right, David wanted everybody to know, it wasn't me. It wasn't me that won that battle. I was putting my trust and faith in the Lord. And through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. When you think about your life, when you think specifically about your prayer life, how much time is dedicated to praise? We, we live in a time where if we're honest, this should be occurring daily and weekly. Praising God that he has delivered us. We, we look out into the world, we see the news, we, we see uh, our social media feeds, and, and we see so many people struggling, so many people suffering with so many different things. And yet when we get to the end of the week and we didn't have any of those things, are we praising God for that? I think we should. I think Psalm 21 reminds us that we should be a people of praise. We should be thankful for every day that the Lord gives us. We should wake up in the morning and go, hey, Lord, thank you for letting me wake up this morning. And then at the end of the day, Lord, thank you for letting me go to sleep tonight. Because we don't know what the future holds. We, we don't know what's going to happen now. And so those moments that we have victory, those moments that we have wins, and again, right now in the world we're living in, just being healthy is a win. <laughs> are, you, are you praising God for that? Or are you praising your, your zinc and your vitamin C and your vitamin D3 and whatever else cocktail you're taking every morning to protect you? Again, I'm not saying don't take that stuff, but where are you putting your faith? Is it in God? Is it in the immovable? Or is it in the temporary? Psalm 21 would remind us and encourage us to praise God for the victories that we have in our life, no matter how small you might think they are. Cultivating a heart of praise will bring about a joy in your life and a joy in the Lord that some of you may be lacking this morning. But the second half of the song, man, it, it takes a turn. And that, that's why I say it's a song of, of woe, right? This is a song that if you are not with God, if you are an enemy of God, which if we're all being honest, at some point in our life, we were all enemies of God, and maybe some of you are still enemies of God this morning. 
This song of woe lays out what it looks like to be an enemy of God. And again, this is, this, the context of this is the second coming. Right? This is, the context of this is Jesus returning for his second coming. Not his first coming, but his second coming. Verse 8, your hands will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out all those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. See, some people, they like to read Revelation and think there's going to be this great war when Jesus comes back. Read your Bible, folks. Jesus ain't going to be fighting. It's going to look a lot like verse 9. He's going to show up, and his righteousness and his glory is going to be like spontaneous combustion on evil. There's not going to be any fighting going on. It's just going to be over. The Lord will swallow up them in his wrath, and fire will consume them, just in case we weren't clear about that. Verse 10, you will destroy their descendants from the earth. In other words, they will no longer be around to make more of themselves, right? This, they're done. It's over. And they're offspring from among the children of man. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. For you will put them to flight. Listen to this. Verse 12, man. You will aim at their faces with your bow. He's not, he's not shooting a wound here. Right? This is one shot, one kill. He, you're done. It's over. And it, it's a little hard in our ESV when he says you will put them to flight. But basically what the Hebrew is saying there is you will box them into a corner and then you will take aim at their face. In other words, they can't move because they're backed into a corner. You see why I call this a song of love? And I don't want you to be on this side of this song. I want you to be on that front side giving praise to God because to be an enemy of God is a dangerous deadly place to be this morning. And for those of you who have not put your faith and trust in God, the Bible says that you are an enemy of God. That that is your place right now. But do you know what amazes me about that? And what I, what I hope amazes you this morning, because listen, so many Preachers and pastors love to use passages like this to create a fear inside of you to get you to respond. But that's not what I want to do this morning. Honestly, I don't, I don't want to ever do that because fear is a horrible reason to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I want you to be in awe of him. Do you know how I get that out of that passage? He is patient with you. You are here this morning hearing this and he is giving you an opportunity because he loves you. And I think one of the takeaways for us as believers this morning is that we have a God 
who sees all of the evilness of man, all of the scheming of man. And yet, this morning, he is patiently offering salvation to them. My question for you this morning, does that patience mark your life? When it comes to those around you who are evil and scheming against God. Do you, do you find yourself just wanting vengeance? Do you find yourself just wanting instant judgment? This morning, the psalm reminds us that ultimately, when Jesus returns, it's over. Right? Game over. No, there's no fighting about it at that point. It's just going to be over. And if you were with him, you were going to be singing the first half of the song, and you were going to be praising, and you're going to be giving thanks. And, and if you're on the other side of this song, in, in the blink of an eye, it's, it's going to be done. Right? And yet, he is so patient with us. He is so long-suffering with us. And this is what he's calling us to be like. As a believer in Jesus Christ, who's having your life molded and formed and shaped into the image of Jesus, do you find yourself growing in patience and long-suffering? Do you find yourself wanting and desiring to see even the most lost of people come to know Jesus? Or do you just want to kill them all? A good example of that in our life right now. I've got several pastors and missionary friends and I'm getting reports of entire churches being slaughtered in Afghanistan. I talked about that last week, that they, they got up last, well, for us it was Saturday night, but they got up to go to church knowing, knowing good and well that their songs of praise would be mixed with gunfire. And yet they still got up, they still got dressed, they still took their kids and went to church. Because Jesus is enough. Jesus is worthy of their praise. Even if that meant costing them their lives. And so now, a week later, we, we've gotten multiple reports of churches that were just completely slaughtered. Everybody completely wiped out that was in the building. And it would be easy for us to jump to the song of woe, right? God, back them into a corner. Shoot them in the face. Kill them. And yet, we serve a God who is patiently, long-sufferingly extending grace to even what we would think of as some of the most evil people in the world. Now, when you go to work, most of you don't have a suicide bomber that you work with. Are you patient and long-suffering with them? Do you find yourself growing 
and patience with people who are suffering. See, this, this to me is what is so amazing about this psalm. It is, it is very clear and direct, and you cannot misunderstand what is going to happen to someone who is an enemy of God. It is painfully clear. I, I don't have to exegete this. I mean, I think you guys can all get the picture that's being displayed here. But what's amazing to me is that's not happening now. It didn't happen last year. It didn't happen a hundred years ago. Because we serve a God who is patient, who is loving, who is kind, even to his enemies. And this morning, if you're here and you don't know him, if you're here and you're one of those enemies, I pray that you would see this kindness and this long-suffering aspect of the God that we call Jesus, that we serve. And that that would put you in awe of him. And that that would draw your heart to him. That, that you would see that we serve a God unlike any other God. He, he is not some vengeful God who just wants to kill everyone. He's patient. He's long-suffering. That, that's the God that's inviting you this morning into a relationship with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. He knew that you couldn't pay the price that was required. So he paid it for you. Again, do you see how gracious that is? He's not up there demanding his pound of flesh from you. He could. He's totally right and justified in doing that. But yet he knew that we could never do what needed to be done to restore the damage that our sin had caused. And so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to restore that that was done. So that you and I this morning here can, can begin to have a relationship with Him. To know Him. And to continue to grow Him. That's the God that they are praising here in Psalm 21. At some point, Time is going to run out. The Bible is clear about that. But, but as long as it is today, there's still hope. There's still an opportunity for grace to be, become a real thing in your life. And grace is just undeserved merit. It's not something you work for and, and try really hard for and clean up your life and, and try to get things right. It's something you don't deserve. Given to you. That, that's the God that is inviting you into a relationship this morning. And, and I hope, and it's my prayer, that you will leave here singing Verse 13, be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power.
specifically this morning, your power to save. Your power to reconcile sinners, to reconcile enemies. And to not just turn those enemies into friends, but to turn them into family. As he invites you into his family, as sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. Our Savior. For those of you who are enemies this morning, encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. It's, it's your only hope. And, and, and apart from that, these verses explain exactly what's going to happen. Apart from that. And for those of you who, who are believers, who have put your faith and trust in him, this morning, are you praising him regularly? Would people look at you and go, man, that, that, they're marked by praising. Their, their life is just, it, it's just marked by praising, or would they say you were marked by complaining? Lastly, would they say that your life is marked by patience and long suffering? Or would they say, no, they're pretty impulsive and hot tempered? We should be growing in those areas of praise if we are believers, putting to death the flesh. Criticism. We should be growing through the Spirit in patience and long suffering, putting to death impatience, anger, wrath. Right? The, Bible, the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He's showing you, He's going to be pretty thorough. When His vengeance comes, you, you don't have to worry about anybody that's an enemy missing out on it. <laughs> right? Arrow to the face. Just remember that. He's going to take care of it. You don't have to. And the more you know him, and the more you love him, and the more you see his longing, his patience with you, with, with your own sin. It's so easy to forget once you become a believer that you're still a sinner. Still deserving of all this wrath. And yet, because of Jesus Christ, he is forgiving you. This morning, are you growing in these two areas? And again, just, I just want to plead with you one last time. And, and again, not, not from a fear-based, but from an awe-based love for God to see how patient and long-suffering He is with His enemies. This morning, would you confess your sin. Confess that you are an enemy of God. And turn to Him this morning. Trust in Him. 
Because one day, as verse 8 says, your hand will find out all your enemies. You may be sitting here this morning, and you may go with me going through all the motions of church life, and you may have everybody around you fooled. But listen, listen to verse 8. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find all those who hate you. You can't hide, even in church, when this day comes. Trust in him this morning. Let's pray, Father. Father, thank you for reminding us patiently and lovingly that, that we should be a people of praise. That we should be celebrating all of the goodness and all of the things that you have bestowed upon us. And Father, I pray this morning for anyone that is here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that this morning they would, they would confess their sin, acknowledge they are an enemy of you, Lord, but they would leave this building changed your Holy Spirit. Their once dead heart would be exchanged for a living heart. Father, that they would know you as a Lord and Savior. But also as a Father. Lord, for those of us who have put our faith and trust this morning, I just pray that you would through your Holy Spirit just convict us. Show us those areas where we're we're prone to criticize, Lord, rather than to praise. But those areas where we are prone to be impatient and angry rather than being patient and long-suffering. Father, may that lead us into deeper love and awe for you. I ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. A couple of quick announcements for you.